tell me if this describes vacation to you. You spend all sorts of time and energy planning, booking the travel arrangements, the hotel or rental home accommodations, putting together a packing list, getting packed, running to the store to grab travel size, whatever, trying to keep your suitcase underweight or getting the vehicle all packed to the brim and ready to go, traveling, arriving tired, trying to get into your hotel or rental home, figuring out the keypad, getting unpacked, putting all your toiletries across the sink in the bathroom. And then thinking, what are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> and then like working through the itinerary and what is the plan for the rest of the week ahead of us and getting to know the lay of the land and travel directions. And, uh, and usually maybe by Friday, you really can settle in and have that one good day where you're really on vacation. You've, you've kind of switched out of work and home responsibility mode. The kids are being good and enjoying themselves and you have that like one magical day of vacation. Then Saturday morning you pack up and you head home. <laughs> Does that happen to anybody else? But in your mind, the vacation that you're about to embark on is peaceful and restful and you're going to emerge from it feeling refreshed. But for me, it usually doesn't really work out that way. And I have a really hard time unhooking my brain from my responsibilities that I'm so used to handling every day at home. And sometimes we even still feel the weight of anxiety or physical limitations. And so a lot of times we never really get there to that perfect ideal vacation day. And this is how I think we feel about and experience life and life to the full. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and life to the full. But I would venture for all of us, we have never experienced that. And we don't even know what that would look like. The best I can conjure up in my mind is it would be that perfect day on vacation where you're at the beach, the sun isn't too hot or too cold, you don't get sunburnt, you have enough food and refreshments, you feel relaxed, the people around you are being good and not distracting, the wildlife and birds aren't like picking at you and trying to steal your sandwich. You know what I mean? Like you have that one day where you just really relax on the beach and enjoy yourself. Is that life and life to the full? Today, I want to unpack that statement and I want to look at some of the context around it because it is a promise of the Lord that we would have it's life to the full in the original language is a super abundance of life. And so how can we not only access that, but how can we live there? So that's what we're going to dig into today as we look at John 10, 10. Okay. So the context of this statement from Jesus is he's actually likening himself to a shepherd. And so this is really important because in order for us to have access to life and life to the full, we have to know what it means for Jesus to be our shepherd and for us to have that type of relationship with him as the sheep. And so we're going to start, we're going to back up a little bit from John 10, 10 and look at John 10, one through six. This is where Jesus again, kind of starts painting this picture for the people who are listening to him it would have been a mixed audience. Um, some of the Pharisees who were the most religious Jewish leaders were there, other Jewish people, maybe some Gentiles. And so people are receiving this in different ways. And so he says, this is John 10, starting in verse one, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, 
anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, maybe over the wall, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Now, it's not that the Pharisees weren't familiar with a shepherd. They would see them everywhere. They, from birth, they've grown up with shepherds. These were weather-worn men who were rough and tumble and who basically were not just caretakers of sheep, but defenders. And the main part of Judea where Jesus is ministering was actually a tall central plateau. And it was 35 miles long, which is a pretty good distance, and 14 to 17 miles across. But then on every side, it would drop off and you would have these steep, dangerous ledges. And so the shepherd's life on this Judean plateau was actually very hard and dangerous. He was always on call because the sheep were likely to wander off. Because it was such a dry and arid place, there wasn't an abundance of grass or water. So they were always looking for food. And so he had to be in constant vigilance, keeping an eye on the sheep. And it wasn't just dangerous because of these drop-offs and making sure that he didn't lose any sheep. There also were vicious animals that could attack at any time and robbers and different people looking to cause harm as well. And so we see that the life of a shepherd was marked by constant vigilance, fearless courage, but also a patient and caring love for his flock. And so when we hear the word shepherd, it should paint a picture of us, for us, of the unceasing vigilance, care, and love of God. And this is why the greatest imagery of Jesus for us is as our good shepherd, his constant love and vigilance and care. Now the shepherd would have carried just a couple of tools with him all on his person and on his belt. He would have had a small leather pouch for food, and then he would have had his slingshot. So just like King David used a slingshot to slay Goliath, a shepherd would have a slingshot and it was said he could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. That's how skilled he was with his slingshot. So not only would he use it against predators, but he would also use it to direct the sheep and he would sling a stone right ahead of their nose in order to direct them and keeping from going into harm's way. So he also had a staff. Now this is not the shepherd's hook. This is uh, actually more like a club that might even have like a ball of wood and nails studded in the end. This was basically his weapon. And so again, he would use this against any beasts that were attacking or robbers to protect himself and the sheep. This would be on a leather strap that would hang from his belt. Lastly would be his rod, which is the shepherd's crook. And this is what he would use to pull back the sheep maybe from the edge. And he would also use it though 
when they would come into the fold. So the fold was a low fence that would create a pen and it would just have an opening that did not have a gate. So there was no way to actually close the door. So what the shepherd would do is he would put his rod across the gate and use it to to kind of funnel the sheep into the pen. And he would look at them and examine them and make sure they hadn't been injured or didn't need any extra care. And then after they had all gone into the fold, then he himself would lay down and form the gate and he would close off the opening. And so this is where we see the picture of Jesus as the gate and he is the gatekeeper to this eternal life. So again, to the original hearer, this language would have been so rich because they would have had a vivid picture in their mind of this long suffering, uh, wind worn, courageous caring shepherd who was not only tending personally to the sheep, but at night he was the gate that didn't let them in or out. Really quickly, today's episode is sponsored by Trades of Hope. I am so proud of this partnership because we're helping women around the world rise out of poverty and earn a fair wage for their families. You'll find beautiful jewelry, handbags, home decor, clothing, and more. Plus, right now, you'll receive a free gift with your purchase of $75 or more. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and women around the world when you shop Trades of Hope. Find the link in the show notes or the description below. Now, in the West, sheep are largely used for meat, but in Palestine, they would have been kept for their wool. So that meant the shepherd would have been with each sheep for years and years. So he would have gotten to know each one of them and he would have given them a name that was probably descriptive. So brown leg, black ear. And we know from he like Hebraic history that names, especially in the Old Testament, were descriptive. And even now, when we're naming our children, we love and and always tend toward names that have significant meaning. So even our son Declan, his name mean, means man of prayer, and that was just something that felt so rich, but also personal to who he is. And so the shepherd would have had a meaningful name that also acknowledged his familiarity with each sheep. And he would go ahead of the sheep. He would lead them to make sure that the path was safe and that he was leading them out of harm's way. And so lastly, it was also true that the sheep only would respond to their shepherd. So each shepherd would have his own kind of sing-songy voice or even sometimes a clicking language with the sheep. And it would be kind of a mixture of animal sounds and utterances. It wasn't something that you would understand in your native language. And so he was in some ways mimicking the sounds of the sheep, but the sheep would only respond to the voice of their shepherd. And in doing so, the sheep would never go out of view of the shepherd and they would, they would always be listening for his voice. In fact, if the shep, if the sheep couldn't see their shepherd anymore, you would actually see a panic start to sweep across them because they wouldn't feel safe now. They knew when the shepherd was in view, they were safe. But if they got around a ledge or started to head down that steep craggly side I don't know if Craigley is a word, <laughs> the steep, uh, dangerous side of the plateau and they were out of view, they knew that they were in danger. And so look at how these, all of this incredibly credible imagery of a shepherd and a sheep applies to us. 
When we are in view of our Savior, when we are keeping our eyes fixed on Him, and when we are being led by Him and His voice, then we have fullness of life. And so John 10, 7 through 10 continues on. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the one laying down across the opening. In fact, I'm going to lay down my life for you in order to be the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now we have a few more cues in this passage about what life to the full means. It says they will come in and go out and find pasture. So the Jews did not understand the meaning of the good shepherd. So Jesus is now trying to like just very plainly lay it out for them, but they would understand what it means to come in and go out in peace. To be able to come and go unharmed was the Jewish way of describing a life that is absolutely secure and safe. When a man can go in and out without fear, it means that his country is at peace, that the forces of law and order are supreme, and that he enjoys perfect security. That's why Numbers twenty-seven seventeen says, the leader of the nation is to be one who can bring them out and lead them in. And further, in Deuteronomy 28, 6, it says, blessed is the man when he comes in and blessed when he goes out. And so the understanding here is much like the Hebraic understanding of peace. Peace to the Hebrew meant that all things follow their destiny undisturbed. And likewise, in the New Testament, Jesus said, my peace, I give to you, not as the world gives my peace. My peace does not mean the absence of war, but it does mean that your soul can be undisturbed because you're in perfect communion with me. No matter what's going on around you, you can be in perfect peace in me. So what we come to understand here is life and life to the full is a spiritual state, but it's greater than any physical state that we could ever find ourselves in. Sure. Vacation in Florida in right here in Minnesota, when we still have like 10 inches of snow vacation is amazing. And that physical environment can be, can be maybe restful and refreshing. However, when we can live 24 seven in the presence of God with his spiritual blessing and his promise of life to the full, we have so much more. In fact, this idea of abundant life in the original language, it means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, superfluous, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. It means to have a superabundance of a thing. So to have a superabundance of life through Jesus is available to us now. And I know what's warring with our minds when we hear this concept. We think this is not my experience right now. I'm living in conflict. I'm living with anxiety. I'm living in physical pain or discomfort. And so what is the key? Well, again, Jesus laid it out for us. He is the good shepherd. We need to listen for his voice and we need to ask the Lord to teach us to hear it better 
to understand it more fully and to follow it more. And then we need to never let Jesus out of our sight. There's so many times in the day when we think, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to provide for me. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to fix my kids or my spouse. I'm going to do this. But when we look to the shepherd and the sheep, we see that they feel safe. They are protected and cared for when their eyes are fixed on him. And then we come to understand that abundant life is eternal life, a life that begins the moment we come to Christ and receive him as savior and goes on throughout all of eternity. We have to understand that this life and life to the full is eternal. And it's also the thing that we look forward to for all time with Jesus. Jesus said, now this is eternal life that they may know you, God, the only true God and Jesus Christ, me, whom you have sent. This definition makes no mention of days, length of days, health, prosperity, family, or occupation. The only thing it mentions is the knowledge of God, which is the key to a truly abundant life. So it's kind of like our souls can always be on spiritual vacation, that there is a place in Jesus where even though the world may be going crazy around us, that we can be at peace and have a super abundance of life in him. I would be remiss not to mention that I recently spoke at a women's conference on the topic of fearless. And I recognize that basically the, the number one thing that wars with this abundant life is fear. And even this passage, it precedes that statement with the, the devil, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is constantly trying to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives, especially steal our peace. And so there are ways that we can walk fearlessly on this earth. And so I want to invite you to a live workshop. It's 90 minutes with live interaction Q and a plus three practical tools that you can implement every single day to kick fear out of your life forever and for good and live in the peace that Jesus has for you. And so there is a small fee, but you can find all of the details. It's coming up on April 22nd and find the details in the show notes or the description below. So father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life. And we can enter the gate to fullness of life, to life abundantly through you. And so, Lord, I pray, would you help us to know your voice? Would you help us to understand? Would you help us to be obedient to what we hear and to follow you closely? And Lord Jesus, as we go about our day, let us never let you out of our sight. Father, that our eyes would be fixed on you every moment throughout the day, that we would train our eyes to look to you when we're, we're, when we're worried, when we're fearful, when we're needing provision or care, Lord, let us look to you first and place our trust fully in you. And I pray that you would help us to be good shepherds to the others around us, Lord. Help us to shine your light brightly and show your love and care to a lost and hurting world. Lord, that we would invite others into your sheepfold and into your family and that we would be a powerful witness for you. So Father, thank you. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and thank you for your presence with us. I bless each one of us now in Jesus' name. 